0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. I think we are on episode seven now. Um, took a, took a very short break. There's not been any episodes uh, for a couple of weeks because we, me and the rest of the team, were heavy into planning the final touch points and stages of our digital summit, which has just happened on June the 8th. Um, I think we had over a thousand attendees from companies like PwC, Questex, Clarion, uh, Deutsche Bank, Bloomberg, just to name a few. We had some amazing speakers on talking about trade shows, the future of trade shows, the future of engagement. We had a brilliant session by Julia Solaris, um, a session that we brought back from, I think it was Event Tech Live 2015, where the audience and attendees got to ask him any and all questions. So a really insightful session. All of that content is now available on demand, um, totally free of charge. So if you head over to eventtechlive.com, hit the summit menu item, you can register and access all of that content on demand. Um, My special guest today is Jimmy McDonald. Um, Now, Jimmy founded the London Design Fair back in 2006, which hosts the largest collection of international exhibitors, designers and brands during London Design Festival. He's also the founding director of Design Fair Asia, as well as a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, and in 2018, he was listed as one of the Evening Standard and Citibank's 1,000 Most Influential Londoners, which I think just in itself is an amazing achievement. There's a lot of people in London. Um, More recently, he was appointed as Global Affairs Liaison Director for a platform called Ribbon. Um, Ribbon are a San Francisco based e-commerce platform Um, so with his years of experience Jimmy will take the lead in developing new revenue opportunities for trade shows at Ribbon. Jimmy welcome to today's episode thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So who did you have to um, bribe to win top 1,000 most
1: influential people in London? That's quite the achievement there. Uh, well, I'm I'm quite. Um, I I know some of the editors at the Evening <laughs> Standard, and they they're very, they were being extraordinarily kind. Um, and when I when I got the call up to attend the event, um, I thought it was just a million other events that I'm invited to. I didn't know I was going to be a recipient until I got there.
0: Oh, what a nice surprise! <laughs> how how cool is that? It was uh, very that, that nice. Was really cool. Very That's nice. awesome. Yeah. Before we get into the future of hybrid e-commerce as as eloquently put it and trade shows and tech and platforms and everything that needs to happen (laughs) in the industry could you just give us a little background about like how did you get into events what gave you like the the initiative or the
1: inspiration to start London Design Fair back in back in 2006 how did you get started So um, that was a really uh, simple progression into trade fairs. Um, I trained as a designer, so I am an interior designer. And my wife trained as a product designer. And neither of us wanted to do new designers, which was the sort of official annual graduate fair. Um, So we set up a little student show uh, on Brick Lane. And uh, we quickly realized, like, you know, if we had a few more exhibitors, um, it might become a go-to show during the graduate season. So we very naively jumped in a car, drove to 10 universities in the UK, and persuaded all the students to join our show instead of New (laughs) Desires. So um, we really had no idea we were getting into trade fairs. And um, that went very, very well. And uh, the British Council invited us, myself and Rachel, to curate uh, the British presentation during the big Milan Furniture Fair, which was an enormous win for us and got us loads of press. Um, And then um, the big interiors trade fair of the day, 100% design, Um, invited us to bring the graduate emerging component to 100% design. Um, A year later, um, I proposed a joint venture with Reed Exhibitions Mm -hmm. uh, to launch a fully-blown massive emerging designers show in East London, uh, which was called Tent London. Um, And then we ran that for about four years, before all the bigger brands wanted to start joining the show, but they weren't a fit. So we, we added on another show called Super Brands London uh, to, to, you know, service the Italian egos, um, provided a platform for Italian brands. Um, and then, you know, over the years, everyone just introduced me as the guy who runs the London Design Fair. So eventually we just rebranded the whole package and called it the London Design Fair, and it it, it did become, and it was the biggest uh, fair during the London Design Festival. So that mm-hmm. that's how we got into it. So yeah.
0: just like everybody else, totally Absolutely. by accident, fell stumbled into it, stumbled upon it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The um, the the venue on Brick Lane it didn't happen to be the old Truman Brewery by any chance? Oh though. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> See, all the best events are launched at the old Truman <laughs> they Brewery. They really
1: are. <laughs> well, you know the venue is interesting even when it's empty. Yes, right. Challenging
0: <laughs> and interesting, definitely, it's
1: definitely <laughs> challenging. I, I'm really looking forward to doing a massive show in a venue with no columns at some point you know
0: <laughs> same for us this year so so we event tech live started out at yeah. uh, the Truman Brewery and um scarily now moving to Excel oh uh, good move which it's, comes with it's, it's own the talk. only
1: venue in London in my opinion <laughs> you know, if you're planning to scale a show that's where you take it
0: yeah we, we're hoping to attract a, a much larger international audience and, and the Truman Brewery is is a beautiful venue, steeped in history. I think yeah. right in the centre of London. It's got so much to offer around it. But as your event grows, as I'm sure you 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 felt those those pains as well. It's it, it's something that you have to bend to its will. Um, yeah. There's no shadow of that. Yeah. And um, if you if you're trying to scale up and make it a little bit more international
1: and stuff, yeah. you have to go to one of the one exactly. Of the and all the other venues have kind of you know shrunk or shape shifted, or they're just in the center of a residential neighborhood it just yeah. doesn't work excel is fit for purpose absolutely
0: and 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 even more plans to expand that site yeah jimmy again just before we move on to, to ribbon and tech yeah what was your biggest challenge do you think when 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 growing a show from from grassroots up to you know london design
1: fair as is, is one of those was sticking um, around
0: events through the year
1: I think it was uh, finding a team that understood the kind of vision for the show mm. um, that could you know, really speak to the types of exhibitors we were looking for. Um, I think a big turning point for us was when um, I started talking with uh, trade organisations from various countries and packaging and putting together country pavilions. So we would work with a national curator that we really believed in, in a particular country. Uh, We would decide whether it was going to be uh, a pavilion that targeted retailers or segmenting like what audience this particular cohort were looking for. Um, that That was the game changer for us. We ended up with 15 country pavilions and sort of, a kind of a group of sort of thirty that would exhibit with us on rotation. Okay, wow. And it, it really did service the brands that participate in the country pavilions really, really well. And, and it, it kind of made a large, made sense of a large show. You know, but uh, speaking to the problems, uh, obviously, when you want to scale, you need more capital. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and finding shareholders that appreciate your vision for the show as well i was extremely lucky i had two amazing investors yeah,
0: yeah. i think i think that's so true i, I think <clears throat> the events industry as i see it is is extremely entrepreneurial it come that events come out of passions about yeah. the uh, and people that lead those passions in terms of what the real value is of that event to the people that they see in their community, or, mm-hmm. or what's required of that community. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's be honest about it. Big events, trade shows. It's, it's you're selling square meters and space. Yeah. But you're actually cha- you're actually selling so much more mm-hmm. um, than just that space. You're you're you you're selling the ability to be a part of something, a bigger thing. To the brand advocacy. And I think that you're right. You really have to have a team that also feel a part of that and have a, and, and align with your vision and 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 really understand what the the goal is for that, yeah. rather than just let's get as many people in a room as possible
1: for for a couple of days in the, in, in London, exactly. Right? Well, you're creating an ecosystem, aren't you? Mm. You know, yeah. it's not creating a fair; it's creating an ecosystem, uh, whether that be online or offline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what brings you to a tech platform? <laughs> let,
1: let, let's, let's, before we jump into that
0: question. Yeah. Let's, let's tell me what Ribbon, or tell for those that are listening.
1: What okay, ribbon well, is I'll what tell you how about. I found Ribbon, because okay, that kind of explains the platform. So for the last couple of years, since I sold the London Design Fair, I've been consulting to big exhibition groups, including yep. like Fiera Milano and DMG and other massive exhibition groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, I, I set up and I've launched a show into Singapore in the last year from from London. Um, and um one of the things that um I thought was essential was um the what what kind of uh, digital platform the show was going to have, right? So you're launching a show, you have this sort of pre-pandemic shows which are like, you know, uh, their tech platforms weren't advanced at all, mostly like a, a kind of jumped up version of an Excel file as an exhibitor list, right? Then there was the massive scramble during the COVID period for a virtual everything um, and finding virtual solutions quite tricky for interior shows where it's very much touch and feel uh, type industry. Yeah. And um, I was looking for what I thought was the sort of neo pandemic solution, which was a a full blown e-commerce platform for trade fairs um, that enhanced the face to face proposition. Right. It was adding more. It wasn't replacing an element in the same way that virtual was like trying to replicate a show. Yeah. So I see um, e-commerce and marketplaces as an essential ingredient for the next gen of trade fairs. Whether that's be you know from new shows or for existing shows, the next gen shows need to have an e-commerce solution uh, as part of the offering. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it was very much about you know, what ecosystem ingredients were required to, like, square the circle. So um, uh, a very good friend of mine in New York uh, runs a show called Shop Object. I went on his site one day and I saw, like, a marketplace. I was like, this is the one, you know? (laughs) So I contacted Jesse, who runs the show, and and I said, Jesse, like, you know, your e-commerce platform can... Can you know? Can I have a white label of that, please? You know, it looks uh, it, it's it did everything that I was looking for. Um, so it was going to be the platform I was going to start recommending to my my uh, partners. Um, and then Jesse said, "Well, you know, it's not mine. It's it's a, there's a service provider involved." Um, and that was when I first met Ribbon. Um, so what I loved about it was that it, it, in the first instance, it just takes a boring exhibitor list and turns it into a marketplace with vendors, right? So your exhibitors are the vendors. Um, and what I really liked about it in particular was that it linked um, the uh, the visitors register through the ribbon platform on the trade fair's website. They get a QR code the exhibitors also get a QR code. So it also replaces the clunky visitor registration system, right? So one profile journeys with you through your physical experience and your e-commerce experience. You're not having to log into loads of different platforms, one to get into the show, one to go to a talks at the show, another one to join a podcast at the show, Another one to access the e-commerce platform. It's one profile. So an exhibitor is one profile, a visitor is one profile. And when the visitors are walking around the show, they can use the camera on their phone. So no need to download an app to zap exhibitors QR codes. It adds it to favorites on your own profile. If you stop at the cafe during your walk around of the show, you can go in and you can see the exhibitors' products you can add them to your cart and you can buy them all the way through you know so there's no sort of inquiry and hope to get a reply in three weeks functionality you know it's immediate um, and it just completes the whole visitor journey you know and from an exhibitor point of view you might show 20 objects on your stand but you might have an inventory of 200 products. Where do you show those, right? So with the e-commerce platform that Ribbon provides, uh, exhibitors can just take their CSV file of their inventory, one click upload, and it populates their, their store. It, it's just combined. There's so much in
0: there that I want to pick um, Go on, pick please. Apart. I, <laughs> yeah. I think, first of all, I love the fact that you were looking for something and there was a platform there because to be quite honest there's a lot of technology that's come into the marketplace and, and for somebody to have experienced and delivered events to be in a position to look for a product and want to want to work with that company I think I think that speaks um, a lot to to what Ribbon are, Ribbon are doing yeah um, I think the simplicity of that process of it's very low friction, isn't it? You know, lots it's of technology. It's super low friction. Yeah, yeah. Lots of. I mean, like,
1: I I go insane when I receive a VIP invite for an event, and a different invite to just get into the show. And because I haven't turned up on the VIP moment, I can't use it to get into the show. You know, mm. it's just boggling that it's so complicated.
0: I, I I weirdly went to an in-person event and had to log up and sign up to a platform that wasn't even being used to for the event to access something that was actually on at the event, like the, 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 the session, the it, it, out, out, my mind just went, why are we, why are we still here? <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody carries a phone around with them, don't they? They don't, yeah. they don't need to, they don't need teaching how to use that phone to open the camera app, which everybody uses pretty much. on. A well, COVID
1: case. solved that problem for yeah. us, didn't it? Right. So even my 86 year old mother <laughs> knows how to like zap a QR code,
0: yeah. you know, and isn't it funny? Like QR codes are relatively old technology, but they still have a place, and they can still be used to yeah. amplify the power of a platform like Ribbon, and, and to be that access point. I think yeah. I think that's super cool. I think one of the other things there, Jimmy, that that really sings to me, and may, maybe the other exhibition organisers out there that are listening to this are, are gonna are gonna kill me, but maybe this is where Ribbon comes in is. The, the focus has been very much on sell, sellers many square meters and grow the mm-hmm. show as large as possible isn't it um, that, that that's that that in itself is the trade show model yeah. however um, that doesn't always work you know I've been to Fabri International Air Show and they're bringing big engines in and things like that they take up yeah. lots of space and I think what strikes me straight away is that ribbon somewhat has the answer to that sustainability question of how sustainable is it to just build bigger and bigger and bigger um stages or, or, yeah. or platforms how to, to ship products in to bring them in um and i'm sure there's a commercial model behind ribbon for the organizer which which i'll, I'll of love to get on to yes but maybe that balances that rather than it's just about selling more space it's about actually a a, a 365 day campaign it's about how you drive more value into that to that customer um, and yeah. how it all fits together And and doesn't necessarily mean that we have to continually build large shows, or or just sell more space in order to increase the turnover of those shows. Yeah, but it's it's more there's more to it.
1: Well, actually, there's a couple of bits on there. So the analytics dashboard for both the uh, exhibitor and the organizer are super advanced. So the organizer, for the first time, can see which visitors liked which stands at the show, right? So we never really know that. We guess Mm. and we think we know because someone's popular or someone's not. But for the first time, the analytics tell you which stands are of interest to your visitors. I mean, that's point 101, (laughs) right? But there's never been a way to do that. There's never really been a way to do that and certainly not as part of a complete system, Mm. right? So there has been QR codes on stands before. That's not new. What is new is the analytics and the linking through to sales. You also don't have to guess who your VIPs are anymore. You can see their transaction values. Right. interesting yeah very good point so, so that's very important you can see how the show is doing year on year in terms of generating actual sales um, if a type of exhibitor isn't appealing to your audience you can swap them out mm. if you have a waiting list um, you know there's, there's lots that you can do with the analytics that I would have loved to have known about when I was running directly running the London Design Fair. I would love that um, and then from the um, um, exhibitor perspective, they can be invited by a visitor to join uh, a zoom call through the system. So they don't have to go to yet another platform mm-hmm. or a calendar or whatever. They can just book an interaction that could be a call or it could be a live uh, a video. Um, you know, there's lots of ways they can connect and they can, the exhibitors can like uh, decide whether they want only trade buyers. So they can set minimum order numbers per products, which immediately turns into a trade only platform. Yeah. Um, Or they can say, well, I don't care who buys this. So I'll just put the product as available as a, a single unit at a higher price, you know? So you can really play with the profiles Um, But I think the beauty for the exhibitors, because we know, and I definitely know that brands uh, sell across many, many different channels now, the ability to kind of seamlessly take your CSV down from your own site and then just drop it in, totally updated, you know, a download and an upload. That's great for for product management, you know, it's like inventory management. So I really love it. I see the power of what it can do for a fair. I,
0: yeah. I can I can as well. I'm I'm just thinking yeah. about things like the growth of direct-to-consumer brands, you know, mm-hmm. Gymshark, um, yeah, in, in apparel, others that you know, my protein, the these brands that have been born out of you know, a warehouse and then a manufacturing facility and selling online direct to consumers. Yeah. This seems to me that this would be so in their comfort zone of mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to an event, we understand there's an audience there for yeah. us. But we don't want to be able to just sell what's there. We want to exactly. be able to sell wholesale and, and, and trade exactly. and things like that. And then taking those orders. And then just second to that, I mean, this must this must be. A rebookers and sales teams' dream. Yes, on this, on this show. I mean, it, there's it none really of those, is. oh, it's a been a bit. It's been okay. We're not quite sure. We'll have to see what it's like when we go exactly. back. It's like no, you've done you've done ten million worth of sales. Yes. Oh, you've been here for the last two days.
1: Well, what what are the shows in the US that we service? Um, they do six point four million through the platform. Wow. I mean, so it, it works, you know. When I saw that, that kind of closed the deal on joining ribbon, you know, because <laughs> I could see it actually worked, you know, because there's lots of platforms. But when you see those types of figures going through a platform for a trade fair, mm-hmm. that's the interiors fair, you know it's working, you know, and then like you can see as an organizer, you can see what sales were like year on year, you can compare. You can also see where sales peaked because you sent out a newsletter to market some of your exhibitors. And then if you see a little uptick in sales on the platform, you know your marketing's working. You know, there's so many things it feeds into.
0: With with the element of ribbon being that marketplace for an organizer while the show's not on. And, yeah. and I've had this argument for for years coming from the from the media and publishing side when your customers not at your show, they're going somewhere else. Where are they going? To keep updated with yes. the industry, where are they shopping? Where are they, where are they researching things like that? Does does the ribbon platform help the organizer overcome those challenges of, of re attracting that existing customer base and audience to back to the show website, back to the marketplace, and and possibly even try and find new audience
1: for them? Is, is does the ribbon platform help there at all? It does. Um, so um, I, I think if I'm answering your question correctly, I mean, you know, if, if if an exhibitor launches a new collection in February, but the show was in September and the next one is next September, yeah. if that goes out in a newsletter, you're genuinely bringing new content to your existing audience. So it keeps them coming back looking for new content. Right, so... And if they have brands that they have favored before, they'll get a poke if that brand adds new product, right? So, so it, it really improves the engagement level. I mean, some fairs, um, we run to seasons. Sure. So what we tend to do is at the moment, uh, a lot of shows want the platform to be live for maybe only three months. So a month before and two months after. Each of the fairs have asked for that in the initial stage, have extended it to six months immediately <laughs> after the show. So we, we know it works and we know, and you know, there's some uh, users of the platform that are, are, are they, they get it. They know what they can do with it now because they're like two seasons in and they're learning how to best use it because all the functionality is there, you know? Um, so I think I think it's brilliant from that perspective. You know, like Swedish brands, for example, in interiors at least, will launch most of their products at their own Stockholm Furniture Fair because it's the main fair in Scandinavia. So lots of their launches are, are then. And they're not waiting until the London Design Fair to launch. So we can put out that content uh, immediately after February to say this is coming to the fair in September, but mm. you can also buy it now, w- way before you even arrive at the fair.
0: So like a pre-release
1: then. Yeah, it, it's very, it's super compelling,
0: you know. One of the things that I know scares many organizers when it comes to technology is the platform look good. We love the idea of the technology. Some challenges around the getting, you know, Open management, other people's buying to, to yeah. invest in that. Part of it also might be actual bandwidth to, mm-hmm. to implement these technologies correctly. Yeah. Mm. Um, we, we all know the pressures that that event teams are under to deliver the next event, market the next event, get yeah. the next event sold, that kind of stuff. What what's the what's the
1: learning curve for, for something like Ribbon? Right. So one one of the questions that we get quite often is could this potentially cannibalize a show, Mm. right? So the online, everyone wants to be online, but they don't want to do the show. Well, in the first instance, the organizer can set whether it's for current exhibitors only, um, previous exhibitors, or exhibitors they're trying to sell a stand to in the future. So that's completely within the organizer's control Um, If you want to go completely safe, you can just say it's only for current exhibitors. So if you haven't signed up and paid for your square meters, you're not getting onto the platform, right? Then I find lapsed exhibitors quite an interesting topic. There's some exhibitors that are just never going to come back. They do a show. They set up a showroom in London. They've spent £4 million on a showroom they don't see the need to do a fair anymore, but they might still want access to the audience. So you could pay them a premium to be on the platform because they're not also paying for real estate in the the trade fair. Mm -hmm. So there's lots you can do with lapsed exhibitors. You know, and some, like a lot of the uh, designers at the London Design Fair, they became super famous. They designed for other brands. They don't need to do a trade fair anymore, but they do want some kind of brand awareness, right? So, so it it, it it's 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 uh, it's interesting from that perspective. Um, I've worked with a lot of big organizing groups like Fiera Milano, DMG, and people like that, and I, I know it's a it, it's 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 uh, it's tricky for them to move on this. Uh, it can be, um, even if they like it, as you said. So what I've been doing is I've been looking at uh, portfolios of exhibitions uh, because sometimes there's like a massive hidden opportunity as well. So if you had four fairs that are at different times a year, but they're all roughly in the interior space, each of those shows could have its own e-commerce platform provided by ribbon, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, we are actually talking to a couple of organisers who want us to create a fifth platform that isn't connected with a show at all. Interesting. Where all the exhibitors from the other four shows can coexist on one new platform. So mm. we're actually beginning to kind of work with them to create new businesses that aren't fairs, Right. And it, and it makes complete sense because the VISA crossover is quite often common. But if you're doing a bathroom show that's for architects, it's very different to doing um, an interior show for accessories. But there is some definite crossover, right? So, So this is something interesting that's emerged. And then we also have a scenario where um, some of the trade fairs, uh, organizers, or venues, they run the registration system at the front door for yes. the fairs that operate in their venue. So they're thinking, well, what service can we offer to the fairs that occupy our venues? So we're now also starting to talk to not only organizers, but fairgrounds. You know, what can they offer to their shows? that can really like streamline the process. Because the registration system on a show, on an average show even, is 30, 40 grand yeah. to badge exhibitors. Well, that's a cost that just evaporates once you've set up your e-commerce marketplace. You get like literally two for one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you're consolidating
0: on um, getting more use of tools, more more insight, more technology, yeah. better, customer retention and, and exhibitor and visitor satisfaction yeah without really you know introducing any additional or additional costs although you know it's just replaced isn't it by an existing cost center within well the
1: actually I'll, I'll tell you how the, the the cost structure works
0: do you know what that would be brilliant Jimmy because yeah one thing that the, the, the an industry is kind of calling for at the moment is some
1: some transparency on clarity on, clarity on, on costs yes, yes absolutely. It's super simple. Um, Ribbon charges uh, the trade fair $150 a month per exhibitor. Okay, yeah. For the exhibitor to have their, their store in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And we charge a one-off $300 fee to onboard them to okay. make sure their profile looks amazing. That's it. And so the organizer can put that in the exhibitor manual and offer it out to the exhibitors. They don't have to go for it, um, but we think they will, because we've priced it to make it super attractive. And then uh, where the organizer can generate an additional revenue stream, which is what all the shows in the States do, is they mark up our package to the exhibitors. So instead of it costing $150 a month, they charge three hundred or four fifty, yeah, and thereby creating a brand new revenue stream, whilst also providing a better service to their exhibitors.
0: And I think I think those prices, that those that pricing is is very fair. I yeah. love the fact that you do a white glove service of onboarding. I think I think mm-hmm. that's one area that often we've, we've all seen floor plans that are half filled <laughs> with, with profile yes. information and you know the customer service requests of I'm not I can't upload but Video, I can't exactly. get this image to sit right and all that kind of stuff.
1: That that to me is three hundred dollars very well spent. It, it really <laughs> is. It, it really is, and it also means that we don't put any pressure on the fair mm. team, Yeah. right? Yeah. So my team would not have been able to manage all of those problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with ribbon, with the onboarding, you're not you're not putting any burden on the fair team, so they can carry on selling square meters. And they can carry on marketing the show but with better tools
0: absolutely just just on the actual cost per month you know that i'm pretty sure most exhibitors will easily spend 10 times that on on some form of other digital marketing which is ultimately leading to to sales for them whether that be like social ads email marketing other additional things hopefully Absolutely. Well, yeah. they should be if they're sophisticated enough. Um, yeah. I also love just going back slightly to the to the idea of those lapsed customers, they they are no longer invested in the event physically. We we've all seen it. We 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 run events where yeah. those attend, those people are actually attending the event. So they're still spending time coming, they still see value in the audience yes. in the event itself, but maybe they're just not in a position to invest either you know, the time or the money or they're in a different place than they were before where they, they can't make that onsite activation happen. I think this is, this is for me almost a way for the, the trade show market and the event market with events that are about products and consumers mm-hmm. and things like that, protecting themselves or bringing back some value to maybe where they've lost it in in other channels or other avenues. I, I, I'm going to use Amazon as the example. It's probably not the most, but, that's yeah. an example of a player coming into the market, heavy on online, heavy on sales, and, and there's probably other places like Amazon that some of those retailers go to to have mm-hmm. that exposure and, and yeah. sales channel. That's right. This is this is just another string to the bow for the organizer, right? It's another it's another revenue
1: stream. It's another and, and it's algorithm. integrated right. into their own brand. Yeah. yeah, right. So it's not somewhere else. You know, you're not sending your exhibitors. Your, your valuable audience to a temporary marketplace that you have on Artsy, yes. for example, yeah. right? Which, which is like, we, we do service art fairs as well. Um, so our three main verticals at the moment are design as in interiors, apparel, fashion, and high-end art fairs. Um, and one of, we, we recently had a, a really good win in the States on an art fair, who had a separate e-commerce solution, separate registration, separate VIP system. And it took us about (laughs) 10 minutes to convince them (laughs) that that wasn't a good idea, you know? Um, But I I think uh, I I really like the idea of looking at lapsed. Mm. And I think COVID has created many, many, many more lapsed exhibitors.
0: I think the other area to probably look at is, you know, if we looked at the inquiry pool of all those companies that have inquired about Exhibited, but Mm -hmm. never taken that initial step. I mean, Mm -hmm. we ourselves had that experience with Event Tech Live, funnily enough, when the pandemic hit and we produced a totally digital event we actually saw a lot more international companies participate and invest in investing the event because the, it was frictionless for them. It was yes. like, but well, we can do this from anywhere. Yes. Um, so I think, I think that's also an area for, for, for organisers to go through. You know, okay, that, that, that lead is not going to convert into a physical presence this year, no. but actually we've generated X amount of $1,000 worth of revenue out of them because we've offered them a digital solution.
1: Exactly. And the digital solution us. has a much better margin right Absolutely. so yeah. you're not you're not paying for real estate you're not lighting it you're not carpeting it you know um and what happens if you're a fair that has currently has a thousand exhibitors in china mm. yeah. yeah right and and suddenly a thousand exhibitors can't turn up you know yeah. that that's a big deal yeah you know yeah. and i i don't mean to be negative about it but covid is not gone you know um I think know, the thing we...
0: that I think the thing that covid taught us Jimmy as an industry is that if you have all of your eggs in an event basket yes you are susceptible to certain world economic things happening that Absolutely. can affect your bottom line yeah um and I think many organizers are now very much more proactive in the fact that they need to add layers of service and supply and redundancy into their business so that they don't or I'm not as affected in future should those things happen again, right?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, why wouldn't you want to move on to the the next clear and obvious new revenue stream with trade fairs? Yeah. Why Why wouldn't you? Yeah. If it's your business, you need to evolve it continuously. You know, and virtual was nice; it was novel, but it's not a solution.
0: No, and I think we also sometimes you know everybody's focused on virtual, yeah. But when it comes to event technology and digitization of event businesses, there's yeah. there's so many more layers to the onion, right? Isn't there? The yes. Virtual and streaming content and online platforms to network is just one yes. percent of it. There's, there's yes. so much more, and it's really nice to see companies like Ribbon really tackling you know value add, but also. Overcoming, you know, challenges of of how do we service customers in the yeah. eleven months
1: that they're not not spending money with it potentially. Exactly, like exactly. You know, and you know during COVID as well, more brands did find uh, digital channels through which to sell their products. Yeah. Right. So, and everyone's super familiar now with with buying online. Okay, whether it be a trade purchase or a consumer purchase it's super commonplace, everyone gets it, they know what to do, you know, the mystery is gone, you know, um, but I just think, you know, also there's, there's quite a few um, like emerging exhibitors at shows that don't have their own audience, right? So them having their own e-commerce platform sitting over here on the web with no one going near it uh, I could actually see in the future a time where their profile on the ribbon platform for a show could be where they conduct all their business. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see that easily. I could see that happening. You know, I,
0: I think there's so many businesses that that launch and and want to do events, right? They want to get in front yeah. of customer and prospects, and they want to showcase their products, and they want to get that feedback as well. But often for new businesses, it's there's an element of risk to it, isn't it? Because of okay. time and investment and things like that, and therefore the pressure is on to see that direct return from that event straight away. Yeah. And for me, what strikes me about Ribbon is that tool is there to support them to see that immediate return, to see they that can pull through. Yeah. And and and, and make you know de almost de risk. An exhibition yeah. or trade show for, for for new companies. Bigger companies they can afford a, a blip or to not see necessarily sales for for a few months out of event or something like that. But for new companies, that that's often very much where they need they need that immediate return
1: or, or quick return
0: to see to see
1: the ROI from an event. To
0: make yeah,
1: and also you know like um, you know to lure people brands back to shows, right? Yeah. Um, it is an awesome tool for that you know, we, we now have a real digital solution uh, uh, that sits alongside the fair, yeah. you know, whereas before, last time you called them, you were just selling them square meters saying, oh, don't worry, all the visitors are going to come back. Well, I had visitors from 37 countries to the London Design Fair. <laughs> I can guarantee you they weren't all coming back to the show.
0: And what a great marketing opportunity as well to bring those people that do buy online or engage with the marketplace into the event in future, right? It's like well, a, absolutely.
1: Oh, uh, I've been reading quite a lot about the sort of O to O. Okay. Um, and I and it was interesting that I found the topic on uh, Shopify of all places. <laughs> so they're like, okay, so we've really nailed this uh, e-commerce thing. What's our next business plan? Let's bring it offline. (laughs) I I found that really, really very interesting. Um, And I'd actually love to talk to someone at Shopify about it, you know, and see, well, actually you're thinking retail, but how does that work with trade fairs? Yeah. Yeah, well, know, maybe he, don't
0: maybe don't make them too
1: aware of that. No, no, uh, no.
0: It, don't worry, we've we've cornered <laughs> it already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure.
0: I, I I don't know of many other people that are, are are playing in the market on this side of things. Yes, there's companies helping with exhibitor manuals and the online yeah. ordering for exhibitors and things like that. But certainly, from providing that e-commerce pl- platform, it, yeah. it really does sound like you've got a, a, a fantastic, a fantastic product um, yeah. for people to look at. Before I ask the, the obvious question is where do people go? Yeah. What, what, what might the future hold for Ribbon? Are there other areas that you feel that you the, the platform or the team at Ribbon can develop the platform to help and support in, in other areas for, for organizers?
1: Well, in the first instance, we're looking at what's immediately in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, uh, we can service actually any kind of trade fair where there's a product involved. That's mm-hmm. that's you know a, a transactionable product involved. Um, I haven't looked beyond that yet, but I'm very interested in in the entire scene. Um, but no, I haven't looked at that yet. I, I what I where I touched on something that I found interesting was the idea of creating new businesses for trade fair organizers that they hadn't yet thought of. So yeah. you got you know, some organizers have four hundred shows. I would love to look into those portfolios, and join some dots mm. and create some uh, uh, e-commerce or marketplaces for those brands. You know, um, and the ecosystems are strong. You know, like we 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 were also recently working with an art fair, and they have you know uh, eight art fairs across the world. And you know, their, their audience from their Hong Kong event might not come to their Cologne event. So immediately there's an opportunity there with the e-commerce. Uh, you know, it, they actually started using uh, webcams to walk around the show, guiding collectors in Hong Kong around a show in Germany. Interesting on their profile <laughs> and then the, the the tour guide was liking or favoriting or reserving the pieces for the collector interesting that's so the, pretty
0: the, amazing the human human avatar yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. The yeah. real world avatar we, we can create an art world meta metaverse you know
0: maybe that's maybe that is also <laughs> ribbons three uh, virtual reality gallery for all those <laughs> artists out there to uh
1: only to for spell NFT. their nfts through and only, for, like NFTs. That. <laughs> only <Yeah>. for
0: nfts <laughs> <laughs> only just recently bought my first nft you dip, did
1: dip, dip, what was dip
0: it dip my toe into the water yeah do you know what it's this sounds so so basic in terms of utility um I just really wanted an NFT as a Twitter profile. Um, Oh,
1: I see. Okay. So I found I found
0: I found an artist that I like, uh, uh, a a gallery that I like. Interestingly, my first job was actually working in an art gallery. Right. Um, Okay. Working with working with artists and original artists and you know couples and individuals that would come in and want to either invest or just choose a piece for its beauty and things like that. So. Um, it's taken my wife fifteen years to allow her to put a, a print up that's not a limited edition or, or by somebody known or something like that. She's she slowly worked me way down, uh, but yeah, I just I just wanted, I just wanted a little bit of an expression of the type of art and things that I'm interested in, yes. and that's why I bought it and for it, no other reason. I don't that. I don't care whether it makes money, loses money, stays no. exactly the same as it is. It doesn't matter to me. No. I just wanted. That social expression of something that I was interested in that I liked. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to fit, fit well into that. Mm. Um, but yeah, NFTs are an interesting one in the events industry. In, they really in are.
1: They really are. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about it quite a bit, actually. And I, I'm just, I walk around art fairs and I think, hmm, that's an original piece of art. Where can I get the NFT for that? (laughs) Right? I think think, think who's gonna store it? And then is the person storing it also going to be the marketplace for it? You know, like suddenly it just like, hold on, Jimmy, that's a whole other company, you know. I
0: think I think that I think it will move that way. I mean, personally, I think, I think my heart would still be owning that. That that first edition, that that one and only of, of it, you know. um I've seen. We're going way off topic here, Jimmy, but I've sec- I've secretly got offcuts of an original piece by an artist that is was bought for a lot of money by somebody, and I've got that little piece framed up in my house. Oh. and <laughs> um, the, the the piece of a piece, and it's signed by the artist as well. So so maybe one day it'll be worth a bit of money, <laughs> but. I think the digital side is is the evolution of the limited edition run, right? It's the, there's, yeah. a, there's a, a hundred of these and a hundred people can own them. And yeah, maybe they'll go the Damien Hearst way and you get the choice of the physical or the digital representation. Yeah. Or right? maybe you
1: choice. just get the NFT thrown in.
0: Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't um, it? Um, although no. now I, f- I feel like we're all going to have ELF LED screens on our walls all around, oh, the, no, all around no, the house no, to no. display Please, these no. things. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Jimmy, thank you very for much for coming on. I, I think Ribbon's doing something really interesting in the market and, and something I'm sure others listening to this um, will be interested in. So, so, where can they reach out to you and find out more about Ribbon?
1: Uh, well, a simple email is jimmy at meetribbon.com. Perfect. Or jump on meetribbon.com. There's like a one minute video that explains all, it's super simple amazing
0: thank you very much for coming on today and for everybody that tuned in either watching us or tuning in on apple itunes or spotify or anything if you like this episode please share it Um, if you do speak to jimmy mention the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode
1: thanks for having me